Welcome, listeners. Welcome all to our cozy plane of this endless phenomenological landscape. No matter what realm you're reaching us from, know that your presence is a cherished addition to this sublime mystery we call existence. Now, originally we were going to get things rolling with a few write-in questions, but this week we'll have to go straight to callers due to a small fire in our comment box. This might have derailed a lesser spiritual presence, but as you and I both know, listener, one fire inspector's probable arson is a more open-minded observer's message through the ether. And this message is clearly saying, keep it hot, so we'll do just that. Um, hello. Good evening. Uh, greetings. I, um, hmm. Hello, caller. You've contacted the host. You're on the air. Hi. What's going on with you tonight? Mmm, lock? Am I saying that correctly? That's passable. Yes, the problem is my children. I came to this planet some, oh, 20 Earth years ago. It's fine if you don't believe me. It's it's not like I keep my origins a secret. <laughs> it's just that, you know, Earth beings don't really want to know the truth. <laughs> I take you at your word, Mlock. I always trust my callers over my own knowledge and experience of objective reality. Go on. Yes, well, um, as I was saying, I-, I came here 20 Earth years ago, but my young were born here. And-, and I must tell you, I find Earthling children very perplexing. I think just about every parent I know would agree with that statement, no matter the planet of origin. Please, Malak, go on. Well, my people, the Hadwak, take great pride in their ability to slaughter. When I was their age, I was defending my family's honor in glorious battle practically every day after school. But my kids, how can my son enjoy a game called Battlefield so much, but care so little to learn the ways of true war? And my daughter, first she must dance, now it's that ridiculous sport with a strange name. Lacrosse? Uh, field hockey. Parkour? No, no, it's the futile one. With the ball, they must touch only with their feet, but but then sometimes they can touch it with their head. And, and also there's the falling down. Ah, uh, yes, of course. Soccer. Of all the futile and insane things that humans do, soccer is the most futile and insane. I certainly know some folks who would agree with that statement. As for your children, I'd imagine they feel enormous pressure to fit in already. And when you add the tension that can come from being the child of immigrants and having this culture and life experience, it's so different from your peers on top of that. It's a lot, to put it mildly. Are there others from your home world and your community, someone they might commiserate with? Yes, much of my family is here. My sister is many litters younger than I am, so she only made it recently, and and her children are still small. And my brother's children, to be quite frank, they are smarmy little dweebs, put it nicely. And I wish to gouge the eyes out of their smug faces. Oh dear. Yes, it is less than ideal. My children find them to be quite insufferable as well. Tell me, what does their father say? Oh, my mate departed for the plains of our ancestors five years ago, so it's just me. Oh, Malak, I'm so very sorry for your loss. It's hard enough to be a single parent, but to be far from home and trying to connect with your children, I can imagine it's a hard road to hoe. Tell me, is there anything you do connect on? Well, we do all enjoy the slaughter of bandits in the game Skyrim. And we do all hate their terrible cousins. 
I say build from there. Can you take those moments of video game violence and family animus and use them as a springboard toward bonding? Well, my father was a noted slayer of bandits, and they do not know their grandparents, so maybe that would entice them. And again, my brother's children really, really suck. (laughs) Perhaps there's something there, host. Remember, too, that teenagers are meant to pull away from their parents and explore their independence. I feel confident that as they grow, they'll appreciate who they are and where they came from more and more. I hope so. Go in love and light, Mlock. May your enemies perish swiftly, host. A lot of resilience in that caller. Don't you agree, listeners? If you're just now joining us, welcome. I will be your host for this evening and for the evenings after, no matter how the space-time continuum folds. Bring me your huddled problems. The stranger, the better. The lines are open. Hi, Miss Host. I wouldn't normally call into one of these things, but lately I've been feeling like maybe I'm a bit over my head on something and I don't know who else to turn to. Caller, you found a willing ear, an open mind, and a tender heart. Who am I speaking with, and what's the trouble that's clouding your spirit? Oh, I don't give my name out over the phone, but my husband Adam and I recently rescued a puppy. His name is Jackson, and well, he's he's clearly had a difficult emotional past, but I just know that deep down he has got the sweetest heart there is. Are you sure you have the right line caller? Here we normally deal with problems slightly beyond the reach of everyday experience. Okay, right. Well, the thing is, we're starting to think that maybe there's something less than completely natural about this particular puppy. Maybe. Let's start from the beginning, caller. Where did you come across this potentially rare and intriguing creature? Okay, about a month ago, I was out to lunch with a few friends, and when I was walking out to my car, that's when I saw Jackson, and he was just this, like, sad, gritty little guy sniffing around the dumpsters for some food, and my heart went out to him. I walked over to pet him, but because of his trust issues, he just started snarling at me, and so I grabbed my leftover half of my chicken sandwich and tried to coax him over. And this meager but heartfelt offering was enough to win Jackson's trust? Okay, well, no, actually, over the summer, Adam and I were putting in a couple of raised flower beds, and I dinged my finger with a shovel, so I had a couple of bottles of Oxy left. Oxycodone? Yeah, oxycodone. I put maybe seven or eight of those in the sandwich, and at that point, the pain from Jackson's trust issues subsided enough for me to get him into my car. Very well, caller. Now, help me understand... We all see hardship every day, but what about this particular puppy drove you into action? Why so much effort to help Jackson? Okay, I have a feeling this is going to sound a little loopy, but I lost my dad a couple months ago, and I just know he had a hand in bringing Jackson into my life. Okay, because he knew I could never abandon an animal in need, and this has him, like, written all over it. It felt like he was there the whole time. Ah, yes. Okay, caller. I'm understanding the scene now. You're wondering if it's really possible for our loved ones to give that call of comfort from beyond the grave. You want to know if this is truly a sign that your dad's out there and he's watching over you. Oh, no. That's pretty obvious. What I'm worried about is that a few people seem to think Jackson might be a chupacabra. A chupacabra? Yeah, a chupacabra. There's a chance this puppy you've rescued might be a creature known for roaming the countryside and drinking the blood of livestock? I must ask, caller, what about Jackson makes him seem like he might be a chupacabra? 
Well, I know he's not. Okay. My dad would never send me a chupacabra. But a few people have complained about the way he looks, which is like perfectly normal for a puppy that's probably been on the street for a really long time. Okay, sure, he doesn't have a lot of hair, his eyes are a little red, and he's like a bit hunched, but to me, that's just mange, conjunctivitis, and spondylosis. I mean, we should be helping him, not burning him. Spondy, uh, I'm sorry, caller, did you say burning him? Yes. Okay, our first problem with Jackson came when we were out walking him one day, and this old Indian, this elderly Native American, This octogenarian First Nations gentleman, whom I have never seen before, by the way, walks up to us and tells us that Jackson is most definitely a chupacabra and that for the sake of every man, woman, and child in the community, we should let him burn Jackson. I mean, obviously, his oaky brown sagacious eyes were alive with the traditions of his people, but I don't mind saying that I think it's a little rude to walk up and offer to burn someone's dog. Absolutely, caller. That sounds like one man's opinion, and from what I know about chupacabras, descriptions of their appearance are quite broad. Some even claim the chupacabra's features perpetuate a more lizard-like motif, a visage of saurian pastiche. Is there anything else that would indicate Jackson isn't just another loving puppy in search of a good home? Admittedly, he's run away a couple of times, and totally by coincidence, purely by coincidence, someone's cat or dog might be attacked by a coyote or something, and if nobody saw it happen, who knows how the blood got drained out. Oh, dear. So there have, in fact, been exsanguinations. Yes, our HOA has pointed to a slight uptick in exsanguination since we rescued Jackson. An uptick? Animals were being drained of blood before you brought this wonderful bunch of loving puppy into your home? Okay, no, but again, that looks like it's purely coincidence to me. I mean, there's nothing linking Jackson to any of this. Every time he runs away, he shows up maybe like three days later, and he doesn't look hale and hearty like you'd expect if he'd just had three or four cats' worths of blood, okay? It just doesn't add up. In fact, if anything, he's a little aggressive because he's so hungry, But every time he comes back, all it takes is a few honeydew aioli chicken oxycodone sandwiches and he is back to his normal sweet self. I just, I just really want to see this guy bounce back, you know? I'd feel awful letting my dad down with Jackson. Caller, have you considered the notion that maybe your chup, uh, that maybe Jackson is suffering from an opioid addiction and that's why he keeps coming back? He's just in a lot of pain from his trust and abandonment issues, and he knows we're here to love him whenever he needs us. Of course. So, caller, nobody has ever actually witnessed Jackson attacking or exsanguinating another animal? No, the only person that might have is our night shift security guard, but nobody's seen him for a couple of weeks. I mean, he always seemed dodgy to me anyway. His car would be out in front of Mix at 10 in the morning, which even if you work a night shift, that's a bit early for a drink. And this was most days. I mean, I would drive by all the time because there's the best little dog park just a block away from it. Jackson really loves it there. He doesn't like to get out because he's sensitive to the sunlight, but you should see the way he stares at the other dogs. He just looks so happy. 
Caller, caller, let's not talk about the security guard that isn't here. Maybe instead we should be talking about the man that obviously is here, even if only in spirit. Your dad. Can you tell me more about why your dad might send you Jackson now? Well, I know he would feel really guilty about leaving me. When I was 12, my mom left us to live in Santa Fe with a glassblower named Steed. And, you know, my dad was an accountant, so it's not like he could win her back by ripping off his shirt and sweatily doing spreadsheets in his cubicle, you know? Right, caller. Sometimes the Steeds of this world are like tornadoes. Can't do anything but let them blow through and hope for the best. Anyway, Dad used to say that even if one steed was all it took to pull Mom away from us, wild horses would never drag him away from me. We did really well, just the two of us together, and I am missing him a lot. I think that's why he would want Jackson in my life. You know what, Caller? You've imparted your love of Jackson with such fidelity that I can almost feel our spirits aligning, and... I think no matter how hard it is, maybe your dad was really trying to tell you something about letting go. It sounds like he knew it was better to let your mom go with a tanned, sweaty, flaxen-haired glassblower than try to keep her wrapped up where she wasn't feeling fulfilled. And I think it's because he knew all of you would be happier that way in the end. Now, who's to say who is and who isn't a chupacabra? But maybe it's better to have warm memories and a positive thought about Jackson roaming the countryside where he's truly in his element, rather than trying to fit a chupacabra-shaped peg into a suburban hole. Maybe it's time to let him run free where he can really be himself. (laughs) Do you think maybe there's a chance, caller? Yeah, you're right. You're so completely right. You know, I've had a hard time with it, but I just know that's what I have to do. I have to do what's best for Jackson. Oh, thank you so much, Miss Host. I'll drive him out to the desert and say goodbye tonight. He'll be happier that way. Well, in that case, I think I can speak for myself and all of our listeners when I say... No, no, I can't do it. I can't keep perpetuating this psycho. I can't be another drop of abandonment in his trust issues ocean. But caller, what else can you do? No, I know. I know. I'm just, I'm saying it just, it can't be me. Okay. It can't be me. I just, Adam, I love Adam do it instead. Adam. Adam, you were right. Can you do it tonight? What? What about the, what about the, Jackson? What? I need you to take Jackson out to the desert. Caller? No, I need the car tonight. I'm doing a Bikram Kundalini class with Carol. Excuse me, caller? Carol Ames? You met her at my work party, kind of tall with the caramel colored balayage. Anyway, can't you just take an Uber? Uber? An Uber. Uh, I don't know. Put down whatever to get them here and then tell them you want to go to the desert. Okay, caller, I'm afraid I'm going to have to. Why would they ask questions? Give them a tip or something. I thought you hated Carol. Oh, no, my precious boy. Oh, mommy and daddy aren't fighting. Is it a good papa sandwich time? I just think it's a good papa sandwich time with the tomato. You just love the tomatoes. Who wants two sandwiches for a very special car ride, my baby boy? 
Okay, I think we've lost her, but listeners, I hope you'll send all the positive energy you can spare to our caller and Jackson as their lives branch out into the exciting new directions fate has in store for them. And of course, Godspeed to Adam and his Uber driver as they venture hopefully quite deep into the desert. Now, finally, I've got a note here from my producer reminding me to tell you all that we in no way recommend or condone good pupper sandwich time for you or your furball friends. So listeners, with that, thank you for joining me once more to take a breather and put an ear to the ether. We'll be right back after a quick sponsor. Firewood for sale, $75 a cord. Come by today, same place you buy your hay, on the corner of 190th and Tobacco Ave. If you pass the BP you've gone too far, mention this ad and we'll throw in a starter log while supplies last. And we're back. Let's go to our next caller. Who do we have, Dana? All right. Thank you, Dana. Walter, you're on the air. How can I help? Well, yes. uh, Thanks for taking my call. I'm having some marital problems. The intimacy between my wife and myself has dwindled in the past few months. So this problem started only a few months ago. Did anything happen during that time? Yes, actually, I've been relocated. Relocated? Correct. I work for a powerful agency. We dabble in politics, finance, entertainment, pharmaceuticals, agriculture. We basically have a long reach in every facet of society. Anyway, I was relocated from D.C. to Oklahoma two months ago. Long story short, there was a bit of a snafu, and the top brass pinned it all on me. So we were banished. Interesting. You know, sometimes big changes can dull a relationship. It's only natural that these changes have had an impact on you and your wife. I guess. It's just... (sighs) My wife used to be so rambunctious and energetic. She used to seduce me. When she shed her skin, she would do so in a way that drove me crazy, letting it all fall off from her shoulders. Just so. Since the move, there's been none of that. I see. Have you talked to her about this? Things have gotten so rigid between us, I feel like I can't. If you don't mind, can you walk me through your nightly routine? Sure. Usually we'll both unzip. She'll moisturize her scales. A spritz here, a spritz there. I'll hit the bathroom one last time. Then we'll turn on our heat lamps and go to bed. On the off chance she's in the mood, we'll lock tails. But it tends to feel more like a chore than something we both enjoy. And if I may, you seem to be some kind of crypto-charismatic megafauna of some variety. Is this a fair assumption? Yes, we're reptoids. A layman would call us lizard people. Oh, of course. (laughs) Well, it's common when we have issues with our marriage that we blame our partners. Have you taken any time to self-reflect? How have you changed since the move? I've been really stressed at work. I've basically fallen down the ladder and I'm having to start the climb to the top all over again. Is it possible that this stress has thrown a wrench in your sex life? It's possible. I'm not saying my wife deserves all the blame. I understand how hard it must be for her. We were part of the upper echelon. We were friends with incredibly influential people. The only people in Oklahoma who are like us are basketball players. A few months ago we were at dinner parties and live sacrifices with folks that are working towards world domination. Now it's just reptilians whose primary focus is to throw a ball in the hoop. It's just not the same. But I'm really trying. I want to fix this. You seem to be frustrated with your new life. Of course I'm frustrated. I'm bored and I'm not having any sex. I could deal with one or the other, but not both. There's nothing to do here. We've eaten at all three Outback Steakhouses. We've done it all. I see. You said before that your wife used to be rambunctious and energetic. Let's focus on ways to help her get back to that. My advice to you is to make her feel sexy again. You need to be the one to initiate. I have no idea how to do that. From what you've told me, you two don't veer off from your nightly routine too much. Well, it is our routine. We've become quite accustomed to it. 
Let's switch it up a bit. A slight change can freshen up a dull sex life. Maybe adjust your heat lamps, dial them up a bit. This will help her become more energetic, and it won't hurt you either. We could do that. And why don't you take over the moisturizing? Spray her down, rub it in. The contact just may cause a spark, and she'll love you hitting those hard-to-reach places. I guess I could do that too. I think you should give it a try. Alright, I will. And what about foreplay? Married couples have a tendency to skip the foreplay as the years go by. It sounds like that may be happening with you. Foreplay? No, no. See, we belong to an ancient conservative species. The most foreplay involved in our lovemaking would be like me biting her neck to keep her stationary. Do you bite her neck anymore? Well, there's really no need for that. We've been together for 16 years. She's not going anywhere. Now, just because she's not going anywhere doesn't mean she wouldn't enjoy you biting her neck. It lets her know you're still engaged, that you still enjoy her. Make her feel wanted. That makes sense. It's just, we're good at what we do. I typically hook onto her the same way each time. It's what we know. It's fine. And so is Outback Steakhouse, but after the third time in one week, fine isn't good enough. You're right. Let me ask you something else. Is there an activity that you both enjoy doing together? Well, when we were younger, we would hunt together. We would run down different livestock, cows, chickens, goats. I remember this one particular night of hunting, we chased down a bull. The two of us made such a good pair. We were so young. There's plenty of livestock in Oklahoma. You're right. We could make it a game. That could be fun. She's just as bored as you are. Make her feel young again. Try to take the negatives from your recent move and turn them into something fun you both could do. The most important thing you can do is talk to your partner. You need to communicate. You never know, she may have some ideas to make it better, too. Thank you. You've actually been incredibly helpful. My pleasure. Thank you for calling in, and good luck. Oh my, it's that time of night where we get to take a second to do something different. I thought tonight we'd play some listener submissions. We're a community, and listener submissions give me, give us, a better sense of where you all are calling from. Tonight, we have a submission from Christopher Trent in Danville, Kentucky. His first clip is entitled, Grass Growing. Let's listen. Amazing. It feels like I'm really there. And now, this second clip, Paint Drying. Delightful. Thank you so much, Christopher, for sending us a little piece of your reality. And now I think we're ready for another call. Thank you, Dana. Welcome to the host. You're on the air. Hi. Hi, caller. What's your name? Oh, right. Um, it, it's George. Hi, I'm, I'm George. Nice to meet you, George. Where are you calling from? Um, outside my girlfriend's parents' house. Ah, uh, yes. Meeting the parents for the first time, George? I just met them. Uh, and yes, first time. Uh, we came here for dinner. That can feel like a lot of pressure. Yeah, it can. It, it did. But I, I thought I was ready, you know. I thought I was prepared, but they just... They totally hate me. What do you think went wrong? Well, okay, so... She can understand a little English, but she doesn't speak it. And her parents, I mean, she warned me that they only speak their home language, but... Um, Not to get hung up in the practical, George, but how did she warn you if she doesn't speak your language? Well, when I met her about six months ago, I was so attracted to her that I, I immediately started taking classes in... Um, I, are you familiar with Kumblumson? Of course, the language of the Kumblum people. Very beautiful. Very guttural. No vowels. Exactly. So... 
I thought I was doing okay, you know, in these classes. Vlimlin definitely used a limited vocabulary when she spoke to me in Kumblumsen, but she acted like she could understand me okay when I spoke it. But then I walk in tonight and go to greet her parents, and I say, No judgment implied, but you cannot say that on the air, George. We'll get fined. See, there, that's, that's the problem. I said that, and they got very upset, especially her dad. But to me, it just sounds like I'm saying, Hello, your home is appropriately sized for your combined body mass. So polite. Thank you, but apparently, according to what I found when I googled accidentally offending Kumblum, there's some sound in Kumblumson that I cannot make or even hear, and it makes a huge difference in the meaning of, like, half their words, so... So what, George? What's really troubling you? I don't know, I just... Did she feel like she couldn't tell me? Or did she literally not know? I, I mean, this whole time, I, I felt like she understood me. But has she just been pretending? Does that seem like something she would do? I don't know anymore, host. I, I was so drawn to her faces, both the one she presents to the world and, eventually, her true face. They're both so beautiful and expressive and kind, and she's great at charades, but... But I, you're I, wondering if you can have an authentic relationship with someone you can't talk to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, you're asking the right questions, George. You want to be able to communicate as equals, but you can't control everything. You can't study your way into the perfect relationship. Communication isn't just about words. But I mean, it is partially about words, right? You aren't an empath by any chance, are you? Uh, no, I'm a dentist. Can you taste thoughts? No, just just regular dentist. Then yes, okay, words would help, but they're not everything. And the question is, George, if it comes to that, can you have a relationship with someone you can't talk to? Is really worth it to you? She is. I, I can't explain it, but I just, I look into her eye and I, I can see my future. Oh, so you're a seer. No, host, I'm, I'm just a dentist whose girlfriend's parents totally hate him. And Vlimlin probably never wants to see me again either. She, she seemed really mad. Or hungry. Hold on a moment, George. Our producer Dana is telling me we have another call coming in. Oh, yeah, okay, no problem. Thank you for taking the time. Um... No, George, the caller wants to talk to you. What? Caller, you're on the air with the host and George. <laughs> Flimlin, is that you? Oh my, oh my god, have I even been saying your name right? I'm so sorry. I, I wanted to be able to talk, to really talk to you and, and to your family, and I, I, I just made everything worse by trying. But if you can understand me, I want you to know that I really, really want this to work. What about you, Vlom? Could you love someone you can't talk to? <sighs> and how do you feel about that, George? Well, she either said yes, definitely, or no, absolutely not. So, God, I just wish I could tell you how much I care about you and, and know that you really understand. <sighs> okay. Okay, I think I should go. Thanks for talking to me, host. Wait. Come inside, George. Flimlin, but how? Neat. Clash. <laughs> You are wonderful. I, 
I'm so sorry for whatever I said that made your dad turn to stone. What's that now? Thanks for everything, host. Vlumlin, I'm coming back inside. I adore passionate young people, and I wish those two the best. There are few romantic possibilities where I am, I don't mind telling you listeners. There's the postman and Desert Ranger Evan. Dana's giving me a look. I think I embarrass her sometimes. It's time for another call. You know, I've been reflecting on the idea of community a lot tonight. The communities that we're born into versus the ones that we choose to build for ourselves. Whether we're an introvert or an extrovert or an extraterrestrial, we all find ourselves part and parcel of a community at some point in our lives. That's an interesting reality to ponder. What kind of community have you built for yourself? I'd love to hear some reflections on this. Anywho, Dana's telling me that our next caller is Becca from a town called Herndon. Hi there, Becca. You're on the air. Hi. Thanks for taking my call. Thank you for dialing in. What are you calling about tonight, Becca? Well, I've been having kind of a hard time lately. I don't know. I was hoping someone would listen, I guess. Listening is why we're here. We as in this show and whatever collective we you believe in. Right. Well, I usually don't listen to radio shows like this. They just seem like way too retro, but I felt like I needed to tell someone about this thing that's been happening to me. Becca, may I ask how old you are? Thirteen. I see. You know, Becca, you're a lot younger than our typical audience. (laughs) Becca, Becca, talk to us. What's wrong? I don't have any friends. I'm sorry to hear that. Friendship can be a difficult thing to cultivate. Elusive for many. Would you consider yourself a loner? <laughs> no. I I used to have them. Good ones, too, in sixth grade. But now that we're, like, in junior high, it's like nobody wants to be around me. People, like, literally go out of their way to avoid me. Why do you say that? Because I never get invited anywhere. Not to parties, not to hang out. No one even talks to me in the halls at school. And why do you think that is? I don't know. Probably the light bulbs. Sorry, did did you say light bulbs? They've been going out lately when I walk past. Anytime I'm, like, walking through a room, it's like, boom, boom, boom. One by one, the bulbs burst. Okay, uh, that's a unique problem to have. Let's talk about it. Well... At first, I thought the light in my bedroom was just bad. It would flicker sometimes when I was up late reading manga, but then I noticed some flickering at school too. Nothing serious in the beginning. The big fluorescent bulbs in my life science class would like buzz and dim for a second, but then it stopped. And you believe you had something to do with this? Yeah, I wish it didn't. But it's like really obvious. Now, whenever I'm near a light bulb, it just bursts. Sometimes the glass even breaks. It's so embarrassing. I'll walk down a hall at school, get to my locker. We have those short, fat lockers, not the tall, skinny ones. And mine is all the way down at the end of the hall for some stupid reason. Anyway, I walk toward it and the lights go out one by one. Like, they're 
following me. Who's they? I mean, they, as in the dead light bulbs. Not like people following me. Even though sometimes I wish people would follow me, at least then I wouldn't always be alone. Uh, And I have to light my stupid bedroom and candles now. I'm in a freaking Jane Austen novel. Becca, I'm hearing a lot of negativity streaming out of you right now. I just need to know what's wrong with me. Everyone's avoiding me so hard. I feel like a leper or something. Someone that no one wants to touch. I'm sorry, Becca. Um, because you're 13, our producer Dana has asked me to confirm that no one is touching or harming you, right? Oh, no. Not at all. I'm an honor student. Yes, but... I guess I get it. No one wants to be in the dark. And these days, if you're around me, it's lights out for sure. But I don't like the dark either. I was honestly afraid of the dark forever. I see. And how does all this make you feel? Really bad. Like, like, so bad, you know? (laughs) I feel like a freak. Like, everything's changing and I don't want it to. I just want to be normal. Becca, have you tried talking to your parents about this? I can't talk to them. I know we've all heard that saying, parents just don't understand. But actually, your parents often can relate to the things that you're going through better than anyone. No, I can't talk to them because they lock themselves in their room. Say that again? They're scared of me. They think I'm a freak like everybody else. Becca, I want you to repeat after me. I am not a freak. But I am. Change is normal. This is a new chapter for you. It may be a dark one, but you'll make it through. I promise you. Everything feels so important when you're a teenager. Your body and mind are going to go through so many changes over the next few years, and that's okay. It happens to everyone. Remember that. OMG! I think I'm levitating. Whoa. My butt is literally like six inches off the bed right now. Becca, we're running short on time, so we're going to have to let you go this evening, but say it with me one time, okay? I am not a freak. I am not a freak. Thanks for calling in. Mom! Dad! Help! Help, I can't get down! Who knew the youngest caller of the night would have such a powerful story to share? Sometimes the hardest thing to do is accept ourselves for who we are, especially when we care so much about the opinions of others. Let's all make acceptance our goal this week. And on that note, I return to my deep reflections and have just had an epiphany, a light bulb moment, if you will. This show is its own community, and I'm so grateful for your presence. Once again, the lines are open. This episode of The Host was written by Lucy Boone, Eric Kenny, Philip Mazin, Jesse Lauren Smith, and Ashley Griggs. It was performed by Heather Walters, Amy McKay, Tommy Gayo, Philip Mason, Chad Eshman, Rachel Ewing, and Sarah Kenny. Music by Steve Metz. Created by Amy Carver. If you'd like to contribute, please send us an email at thehostpodsubmissions at gmail.com.
Until next time, good night.